0: Today on The Topping Show, Daily Wire versus The YouTube, Call of Duty Boycott Expands, Amazon Alexa shuts down a house because of alleged racist remarks, Hilton Hotels abandons San Francisco, Netflix might host a golf tournament, Novartis to buy Chinook, Lockheed Martin teams up with Global Foundries, an author cancels a book because it took place in Russia, and GM to invest about half a billion dollars into a Texas plant. All that and much more on The Topping Show. Thank you for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of the Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added resource services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their owner at least twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, that's the joke. If you're an IT leader, business owner, need a little assistance, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going on to the business part of the podcast, you have General Motors to invest $500 million into the Arlington, Texas plant which will subsequently build more gasoline and diesel-powered SUVs which of course they should because that's where they profit they are conservatively estimating they'll make money off EVs two or three four years from now again they're going to be a loss leader aka you lose money for quite some time until they actually make a profit off of that product line now they have about 5200 employees and that plant currently makes the Chevy Tahoe the GMC Yukon as well as the Cadillac escalade which everyone jokes that Cadillac is just a GM with nice nicer badge kind of is I mean subsequently you're getting more luxurious materials some fancy leather maybe Corinthian maybe and you get some better technology and whiz bangers that they plug in there but yeah they are literally on the same assembly line so that I don't know if that's considered a conspiracy theory but we could say today they all come from the same building. They have different badges. Which one is really up to you? Now, when asked about the actual expansion of the project, the GM representative said, quote, The majority of the investment is to upgrade inside four walls of the existing building. New equipment will be installed in the plant's metal stamping, body shop, and general assembly areas. Unquote. Now, fascinatingly enough, this plant was actually built in 1954. And of course, more importantly, and also important, they make the company's most profitable vehicles. In March this year, they produced 34,000 vehicles in that plant, which is a record, or actually a 70 year record, for vehicles produced in North Texas. Now, in my opinion, it's still perhaps not a business blunder, they should be doubling down on that investment, throwing a billion. This is literally the most important part General Motors for their short term profits, which, again, they're hurting because. You need those profits to offset the big losses from the EVs and they wanna go full EV, AKA electric vehicles, you're gonna need a lot more profits. Ford is doing the same thing. Ford made separate divisions. You have Ford Blue, which is the traditional Ford. You think of the good old fashioned F-150, gas powered. Think of the Ford Mustang, not the Mach. Ford Blue is the traditional. Then they have two other divisions, one for the commercial line, which is the large heavy duty trucks that and the cargo vans. And then they have their EV line or division. And right now Ford is heavily subsidizing the EV division because again they're losing money hand over fist so if GM is only investing 500 million dollars I say that only because their total investments are double-digit billions it's not just one two three four it's ten plus billion a year that they are reinvesting back into the business and again these are the most profitable vehicles every time the reason you see no more cars in America you know by and large you're seeing SUVs crossovers and trucks because cars are usually hopefully unprofitable Chevy Cruze, while I might be biased, I drove one kind of like did a little stick shift, but these things would bleed. They would lose dealerships' money left and right. The only way they would break even or make money was with financing and accessories. But if they sold a truck at a dealership, they're making $10 thousand dollars of profit. It's a That's a lot of gross. Gross is both a financial term as well as a euphemism in terms of that's a gross amount of profit, pun moderately intended. But that's why you see more and more companies putting more investments into crossovers and share more of these SUVs' plans. So, if anything, I think they should expand this plan even bigger. Time shall tell to see how the company ventures, though. Now, other interesting business news, you have Lockheed Martin teaming up with Global Foundries. Now, Lockheed Martin, if you don't know about them, I cannot fathom how it's possible. They're quite literally the largest aerospace company, not in the U.S., only on the planet. They are basically the only reason the U.S. still has any semblance of global dominance. They make the most advanced weapons on the planet, both vehicular as well as missiles and defense operations. Most modernly known for the F thirty-five Lightning II, which was a collaboration by more than fifty plus defense contractors making subcomponents all coming together. I know Elbit Systems, headquartered out of Israel, with the global head- U.S. headquarters out of Fort Worth, they made the helmet. The helmet alone for the F thirty-five Lightning II—that's about, I think it's four hundred fifty or five hundred thousand dollars per helmet. Again, a huge vast amount of technology goes into those platforms now that you know if you didn't that's who Lockheed Martin is number one DoD contractor department of defense contract in the United States now they're teamed up with Global Foundries now Global Foundries is a semiconductor chip manufacturer which again is key in order for a item to be sold to the Department of Defense or any government entity it has to be made in the United States it was an act I believe passed by Nixon decades ago there's a fancy term for it correct me in the comments but it does make sense from a political as well as an economic perspective to ensure your company is a little bit more not reliant on its enemies or precarious friends. It's supposed to make the country a little bit more independent from outside threats. So if there is a conflict with another country, all of your supplies for widgets or what have you, as supply chain is just cut off. So there's a logical sense and there's a history of why the U.S. has decided to have these rules and implementations for these types of contracts and these products. Now. The issue we have with chips is Taiwan has ninety, I think it's ninety plus percent of all advanced semiconductor manufacture on the planet. Which again, I know this is a little bit more political than business. We'll get to politics in a little bit, but I'm surprised there's not much, much more investment from the U.S. in terms of physical and rhetorical defense of that country. Nevertheless, going back to the point, they're teaming up to do, secure domestic semiconductor f- supply for their defense systems now. This strategic collaboration will secure manufacturing across a wide range of products and next gen ships, and it will allow leveraging of Global Foundry's technology to increase the anti fragility in microelectronic systems and supply chains. Colloquially or simply put, they might, they're going to make U.S. manufactured more resilient chips that can withstand impacts, G forces, so they could put in missiles and other hypersonic missiles and more technologies that need to more, move quicker and quicker. You need a more durable product to withstand those forces makes sense now the only reason this is really happening now is because of the CHIPS Act that Congress as well as um, Biden passed now the CHIPS Act and Science Act was a act for chip manufacturers to come back to the US it provides 52 billion dollars in government subsidies for US semiconductor production as well as an investment tax for manufacturer plants estimated to be about 24 billion dollars which sounds good but at the same time it's, your, it's our own damn fault, or rally politician's own damn fault, that happened in the first place. You went back to the clock, one of my favorite channels, well back when they actually had history, was the History Channel. One of the fascinating things was watching about the evolution of technology with electronics. I believe it was a, between the 60s and the 80s, double-digit, more than I believe 80 to 90% of electronics on the planet were made in the USA. Japan subsequently took a large part of that market share, and then China and then other countries kept chipping away chipping moderately pun intended but the reason it all the production left the united states is because people elected bureaucrats and politicians who passed laws that made business more and more anti-competitive i mean it's not just the cost of labor in the united states you have to worry about you also to have to worry about the myriad of lawsuits from not only employees but states federal government there are a lot of hoops to jump through and exponential high cost so they offshored all of those jobs and those productions The only reason they can bring it back now is because they have that huge tax subsidy, and thanks to automation. You don't need half or even maybe a quarter of the fiscal labor that you previously needed in order to produce these chips and these semiconductors. So, people are having, it's interesting that everyone is having a hoorah about this. Well, you can bring back a lot more than just the chip manufacturer part of the economy. You can bring a lot more of those jobs back if you didn't have so much red tape. Will people learn from this and vote differently? No, probably not but time shall tell maybe i'll be a hopeless optimist for today and say maybe now other interesting business use you have novartis acquiring chinook therapeutics for 3.5 billion dollars sounds big until you realize novartis is a multi-billion dollar conglomerate they're one of the most advanced pharmaceutical companies on the planet headquartered in sweden now this blockbuster deal is supposed to be the quote quote to help quote unquote, the treat the again i'm going to butcher this beyond all belief Immunoglo- Immunoglobion A. Neopathy, which no one can pronounce, so they do have an acronym. First time all week, perhaps I'm thankful for acronyms, which I usually just think people use to sound smart. It's called InGen, I-G-A-N, InGen. I take it back, terrible acronym, I don't know how to pronounce it. If we had a canceled segment of the podcast, they'd, they'd be canceled for that acronym. Need something simpler that anyone could pronounce without. Now. That is an autoimmune disease in which that could lead to kidney failure in predominantly young adults. Now, Novartis will gain access to genetics two-stage, two-late-stage assets to fight Iyan, again, or yan how do you pronounce it? When asked for comment, the Novartis CEO, Von Nasser-Holmung, something Swedish, said that the acquisition helped solve the, quote, one of society's most challenging healthcare issues, unquote. After I looked into it, you see that about 21 million people in the United States are affected by the issue per year. So it's is a substantial impact on the healthcare industry as well as US in general. And it's not too surprising to see these more and more of these acquisitions come to light. They've actually gone up in 2023 by 24%. So, we're about halfway through the year and there's been 157 billion dollars in healthcare acquisitions, which makes sense. It's a huge economy. It's actually one of the the second largest economy in Houston, Texas. A lot of people think it's 100% oil cuz Obviously there's a big oil presence. A lot of those oil companies are headquartered there, but healthcare is a huge industry as well. So not too surprising they had a little bit of consolidation in, in the industry. Other interesting businesses, you have Netflix. They finally might get involved in the good old fashioned game of golf, which apparently is a sport enjoyed by millions of Americans every single year, which I don't know. It's one of those things where I think it's like tennis. It's really fun to play for some people. I just can't imagine sitting down and watching hours upon hours of golf i can appreciate the skill and i have attempted golf that perhaps there would be a comedy hour where it gets people to see me attempt to try to use a wedge not the sandwich the actual thing with the golf i could hit the ball sometimes now netflix may host its first ever celebrity golf tournament in the fall now this is according to the report by the wall street journal citing anonymous sources so take it with a grain of salt and the event would be held in las vegas features stars from its quote drive to survive, unquote, formula docu-series, as well as this, some professional golfers from this, quote, full swing documentary. Now, this would be Netflix's first step into live streaming world and the sporting avenue, which a lot of people are hoping will attract, again, more viewers, more advertisers, more subscribers. You're seeing a similar business model where you have YouTube, which, again, is owned by Google, owned by Alphabet. They paid a couple of I believe it's 157, billions of dollars for the NFL rights so that they could stream the NFL Sunday games on the YouTube premium, thereby forcing people to pay for that YouTube subscription. I doubt it'll be that successful, partially because once you get something for free, you very rarely, rarely want to pay for it. That's a very hard objection to overcome in business, and pretty much every industry comes across that phenomenon. But it'd be interesting to see if Netflix can adapt, because again, when it comes to the streaming wars, the most important thing you have to have is original content the reason disney plus is killing it and they're making such a vast amount of impact on the streaming industry in such a relative short amount of time you have netflix dominating for years because there was a industry leader is pretty much the first successful to market but disney has a whole vault they literally actually call their old archive data or the old archive videos and movies the disney vault which marketing a plus is a brilliant euphemism to, to use especially because there's actually a physical vault as well but again it's because they have so much intellectual property that no one else could stream except them now if Netflix can translate that into more sports and gives more people to actually pay for it people who enjoy golf presumably make a pretty darn good living I've seen the golf price. I've uh, spoken to people when it comes to the price of golf clubs and I've been astonished to say the least so it might be a good way to help grow Netflix as again they're all trying to get that bigger and bigger market share get a good ROI for the investors but time shall tell now Going on to the culture part of the podcast, you have Hilton Hotels abandoning San Francisco, which allegedly used to be a beautiful place full with rich culture, food, technology, businesses. It used to be a flourishing economy, apparently, allegedly. I had to dust off about three quarters inch of dust off an old history book. I joke, but not too much. It used to be the place to be, as some might say, and they have houses worth more than most countries. Well, some type of euphemism there. Now, the investment firm that owns the Hilton, San Francisco, Union Square, and Park 55 Hotels is actually walking away from its debt and surrendering it to its lender. And they've opted to cease payment on their $725 million loan. Now, this is a very interesting phenomenon. A lot of people are comparing it to walking away from a mortgage on a house. So you're paying into that loan, and you have some equity in it, and they're just choosing to walk away completely. So they're sur- by doing so, they're surrendering any equity they build up into it. Now, does this have anything to do with the fact that the state decriminalized all theft under $950 and drugs are rampant beyond all belief? Yeah, obviously. Very few, There's very little incentive to visit San Francisco. You need a nice armed guard security, and of course, you actually can't defend yourself unless you're a politician because of laws in that state around guns. I find it quite abhorrent. But that's, that's my three cents. Again, inflation is, is rough. It used to be my two cents. But he had that cliche advertisement that the city released, maybe we'll cover it more on the show. They're basically begging people to come back. And historically, historically, they never really had to advertise it because in pop culture and just technology, it's been a long staple of a cliche place to visit with America, kind of like how everyone needs to go to the Empire State Building, see New York City, see see the Statue of Liberty. It used to be kind of a, a staple for a lot of tourists and a lot of people to visit throughout their lifetime and take a look. Now people are avoiding it like a plague and they're actually moving out in droves. Will they be able to turn around the culture of San Francisco? Time shall tell, but given the culture they currently have and the laws that they're currently pursuing, outlook not so good, as a Magic Eight Ball might say. Now, other interesting cultural news, you have Amazon Alexa shutting down a house after an alleged racist remark. Now, this was taking place Wednesday, May 31st, 2023. And this is a user where, again, I wouldn't say he's very prudent or skeptical. He wired up his whole house to use the Amazon crap. So he had the ring, he had the lights, the locks, pretty much the, I, I need to double check on the locks. But one of those people who went all in and said, hey, Amazon, I don't know you or trust you. But, oh no, I know you, but I'm dumb. I don't know you, but I'm dumb enough to trust you. Here's the keys to my kingdom. Here's my house. Here's cameras you can see inside my house and you own the data. I don't, because again, it's on your Amazon Web Services, their cloud platform. Now, I digress. When they, this gentleman was asked for comment, he said, I finally regained my access to my Amazon account after an unexpected and unwarranted lockout that lasted nearly a week. This wasn't simply an inconvenience though. I have a smart home. My primary means of interfacing with all the devices and automations is through amazon echo devices via alexa this incident left me with a house full of unresponsive devices a silent alexa and a lot of questions i usually don't blame the victim but yeah now he actually called the customer service rep because of course if you go to your home and nothing's working instantly enough you probably think hey there's probably something that maybe they have an outage on aws or maybe there's an accidental mischarging my credit card, so this person called up the Amazon because they actually did have a customer support number, and it was an Amazon executive apparently. And he called, and said he asked him what's up, and they actually in a, an accusatory tone, apparently he said, "Are you sure you don't know what's going on?" He goes, "No, we, I have no idea. What are you talking about?" Now, allegedly, an Amazon delivery driver went up to this gentleman's home and dropped something off, and on the way back he heard something racist. So this employee of Amazon filed a complaint, and Amazon just shut off his whole house for a week. No, And apparently there's barely, barely any recourse. So this gentleman, he had all that data, so he had the streams, all the videos, so he sent that information, well, I guess he resend it because it's all on Amazon Web Services anyway, but he sent him the data saying, I'm not hearing anything racist here. And he also further explained that most of his neighborhood is of the same race. And apparently... As a gentleman was walking away, so the gentleman dropped off a box at the front door. He was walking away, and the automated <clears throat> Amazon voice gave him a response. And this gentleman apparently also had headphones in. So all in all, it appears to be a complete miscommunication. But what is the moral of the story here? Well, it should be self-evident if you ever read 1984 or any science fiction dystopian book. But the moral of the story is, you don't own your stuff. Amazon owns your stuff. Don't trust companies you don't know. I mean, this person is basically locked out of their own property because they were foolish enough to think they could trust Amazon. And they just left him out to dry for about a week. And thankfully, he didn't say anything racist, because I'm sure if he did, he'd he'd lose his job, his friends, his employment. I mean, it's the worst thing you could be in America. And it's also morally vacuous as well. It's disgusting. And this guy apparently he had the evidence he showed them, and yet they didn't care they just took about a week to let him gain access to stuff out so if he has a modicum of intelligence i'm sure i would hope he would rip all that stuff out of his house so he doesn't have spyware or spying devices everywhere to begin with but also you don't have these instances where you can't use your stuff because you've wired it all into one ecosystem which again is the big downside of convenience a lot of people think these products are convenient personally I don't trust them. There's a reason I don't have those little echoes everywhere. All over the house. Now. Other interesting cultural news. You have the Call of Duty boycott. Expanding. As Call of Duty. Again. The video game company. M- made by Activision. Which again is also. A bigger business. Amazon. Rather. Not Amazon. Yet. It's actually Activision Blizzard. As though two giant video game companies. Merged together. Now. They're continuing to tweet. Which. Kind of the opposite of the Bud Light approach. But. Let me rewind a couple of seconds here. Now, Call of Duty, biggest multi-video game platform I could think of right after or the, the war, World of Warcraft one. Now, they had an issue where one of the top streamers of Call of Duty, so someone who makes a living by playing the video game and live streaming the interaction of his usage, he was on the Twitter and someone was talking about an issue where a public school was teaching children about sexual, in, sexual themes, and they're having a pride month talking about very, very specific sexual things that are not appropriate for children now all this guy said was rudimentary speaking leave the kids alone that one statement completely banned him on the platform not only did they ban him again this user is uh, nick merx but call of duty activision actually pulled his skin from the store and skin in this case is a appearance package in which you pay extra to have particular clothing, or particular styles, or paint on guns. Now, in this case, he was such a large, successful streamer for the video game, he had his own outfit, basically, that you can purchase. And, of course, he would get a commission off of that, and Activision loves it, because it says it's free money, basically. You design it once, you just copy-paste. It's really easy money. It's DLC, or download content, all his upgrades, is just pure profit. So, they removed him from the store, as well as banishing him from the game and call of duty they they just had to go the opposite of the bud light approach. the bud light approach was they haven't posted in look at my watch months which in social in social media if you're not tweeting or going on social media at least depending on your brand once a day or every other day it's basically years in the social media realm now activision decided to go the opposite they're still posting multiple times a day which is great because it gives us plenty of free entertainment as the youth would say, they are ratioed. Now, most recently, the AK guy, which is Brandon Hero, he's a really—he uh, has a YouTube channel, a really fascinating way. He actually custom builds guns, and he said, "quote," again, this is to Call of Duty, and Call of Duty, again, that's their specific Twitter handle for that division of the company, now, or product of the company. Now, they put out another ad saying, "Hey, here's an upcoming video game," and the ratios are. Entertaining to say the least. Now Brandon Herrera, the A.K. guy, responded to the tweet saying, "Man, you guys really thought posting this was a good idea, huh?" Unquote. And that's all he said. That was so ratioed. He his statement got 3,467 likes, about 60,000 views, and 47 retweets. And the original post from Activision for Call of Duty that got I believe is like 89 or it got sub a thousand hearts or likes. And again, this is a fascinating social-cultural phenomenon in which the replies against the first post are greater liked and greater uh, shared than the actual original one. They're also expanding, so more and more people are joining this boycott. Now, this other player, and again, I do a lot of research. The last time I played Call of Duty was on the Xbox 360 when I was in high school, when I had time, which feels like a lifetime ago. Nevertheless, this new gentleman is called Tim the Tate Man, no relation to Andrew Tate. I did uh, research that a little bit. He's not, he is again a very popular Call of Duty streamer, and he also had his own skin in the game. And he asked them to he asked Call of Duty to remove his bundle from Modern Warfare Two, and Activision subsequently just pulled it out. So they are Activision and Call of Duty. They are doubling down on these bans. So instead of saying yeah maybe maybe we should clarify no no, and again. All the other comments are saying leave the kids alone, leave the kids alone. Those are getting hundreds of likes and I've seen maybe one or two out of 58 responses that are actually about the game that they're trying to advertise or supporting the company. So they're getting ridiculously ratioed. Although maybe this is a good distraction from the fact that they're having multiple sexual harassment files, lawsuits against them at the moment. And allegedly someone actually worked at the company and apparently it was treated so poorly, they decided to end their own life. So maybe this is a better distraction than those topics. Either way, they don't have a great track record for public relations, some might say. Now, they also somewhat have a pseudo-monopoly on a lot of these, I forget what you call them, first-person shoot- oh yeah, first-person shooters. Activision and Blizzard, between those two companies, they make a ma- pretty much majority of that category of video games. I know there are other, other competitors. You have EA Games being probably number two developer. It'll be interesting to see, does this boycott really impact their numbers and how fiscal of an impact will they have? And will they care? Will they just put virtue signaling or will they put politics before employees or profit profits? Time shall tell. Now, going on to the Political Part podcast, you have a report saying that the CIA warned Ukraine not to blow up the Nord Stream pipeline. Now, many of you may remember Nord Stream pipeline was again a oil pipeline going from Russia to Germany, which we were told pretty much every every news outlet, except maybe Tucker Carlson, they all said, "Oh yeah, Russia did it." Which, again, why would you why, why would you destroy your way to make an income or destroy rather? Oh, it is secondary, but in this case, your primarily purpose is to push the product or the oil, which again would get you an income. So we were told, oh yeah, oh, Russia blew it up. Although, interestingly enough, in an interview with um, Biden, a reporter asked about the topic before it was blown up and he kind of just chuckled and goes, oh, don't worry, that's not gonna be an issue. Because during the original sanctions of Russia, when the conflict first debuted, a lot of people were wondering, how are you gonna financially insulate them so they can't make any money? US businesses were leaving. I know for Starbucks, a lot of those franchise companies actually withdrew licensing in terms of the permission to use their logo over there. They withdrew operations. And they were wondering how else could we kneecap the company's economic perspective. And someone asked Biden, like, hey, should someone blow it up? Or shouldn't we do something about that? And he just kind of chuckled and goes, don't worry, that's not gonna be a thing for a while. It's not gonna be an issue. Which again, I would would pay so much to play poker with him because I can't help but think I would make a disproportionate amount of cash and money. Nevertheless, now we're getting more and more reports saying they probably shouldn't have done that, now, the CIA apparently warned Ukraine not to destroy the Nord Stream pipeline months before the attack. This was after receiving a tip from the Dutch military intelligence, according to the media reports. Now, last November, you had the Nord Stream 1 and 2 gas pipelines, which linked Russia to Germany through the Baltic Sea. They were targeted by two specific blasts, by which was called a deliberate sabotage by Swedish and Danish authorities. And of course, when asked for comment, uh, Ukraine um, comedian, and now president Zelensky said i'm the president i will give orders accordingly unquote nothing of the sort has been done in ukraine i would never act that way unquote really now i might be more than i'm a little bit more skeptical considering he's made billions of dollars off this operation but also a little more and more pessimistic as everything that happens he immediately blames russia and tries to get the whole world to nuke russia and put put the world into world war three now, one of my, my favorite examples of, I don't, know, I don't know if it's a lack of intelligence or lack of rationalization or how to describe his lack of tact or integrity. But there's an instance where a missile actually hit Ukraine deep inside the country. And they were all go, oh, it has to be Russia. We need to invade him. And he actually called the unit and says, hey, you need to act. You need to make it a no-fly zone, which would get the U.S. to go into a war. Now, a couple days later, it turned out Poland accidentally fired the missile and it hit ukraine civilians so it wasn't russia it was an accidental friendly fire but again the second it happened assumed it was russia and wanted the whole world to go all in so that's why i'm always a little bit more than skeptical when it comes to his statements he also considered a war crime well a fashion crime he wore a sweater when he visited the u.s we could have given them over 120 billion dollars and you can't suit up that's despicable and pathetic. Now, other interesting political news, you have an author canceling their book because people in the Ukraine are sad because the book would have taken place in Russia. Again, it's a book. Now, this is from Elizabeth Gilbert, who's best known from her book called Eat, Pray, and Love, and she said that her upcoming book would not be released as scheduled after a backlash from Ukrainian, Ukrainians? Ukrainians, because the book's taking place in a Russian setting. The new novel, titled The Snow Forest, and set in the middle of Siberia in the 1900s was support was supposed to be released in February 2024, coincidentally around the two-year anniversary of Russia's Russia's invasion. Now, she announced that the project was due to a, quote, massive outpour of reactions from Ukrainian readers who are worried about the book would romanticize Russia at the time when the country is accused of committing war crimes. Wait a minute, it just said the book takes place in the 1900s. The 1900s? You can't write a book about the 1900s without romanticizing. And again, the, was Putin in charge of the 1900s? Again, I'm not a Russian historian, but I know that much isn't true. No, he was not in charge if you didn't know. And again, I don't know if this book is about the politics of Russia. But again, there's a big distinction people need to sh- should remember. There's a big difference between Russian politics, Russian military, and the Russian people. They're not just all one group. Although people seem to forget that when it only comes to that group of people. It's all Russia, all bad. Yet, you would never say that about any other country or any other group of people. Would you? No. Obviously, you would not. But they decided to relocate the entire book's location. And I can't, I can't imagine that publisher is too happy. Unless, hopefully the book was not already in print. Because that's a big mistake. To have to reprint all those damn books. But, it is fascinating to see the business and the culture and the politics all come together because wind back the clock 36 months ago no one would have really cared if the book took place in russia but now because of the political issues surrounding the conflict you see that politics invading more and more of the private sector even if it's a book taking place in the 1900s oddly enough now going on to the business blunder of the day you have the daily wire versus YouTube. Now, this coming after more and more censorship, as well as well, censorship, discrimination, and demonetization of The Daily Wire, which The Daily Wire, just a background, they're one of the largest, lo- largest, fastest-growing conservative media companies, headquartered of Nashville Tennessee. Believe it or not now, they probably got about six, 250 employees, about a million subscribers. So, in terms of traditional media, not very big, but in terms of up-and-coming media and alternative media, they are one of the largest in fastest drawing and most successful. A million paid subscribers is astonishingly successful for a company of their size. Shoot, I really appreciate you taking time to like, subscribe, and comment to this video because every comment and every subscription helps out. Now, DW Plus or Daily Wire Plus is their paid subscriber where you pay, and get access to their videos, their reading, what have you. I use it, partially use it as I reference some of the articles that they publish and I find their material interesting as well. Now, their co-ceo jeremy boring noted in the past 90 days accounts associated with the platform have received 104 violations for quote-unquote hateful and derogatory content unquote now they specified it is mainly directed around commentary or t- around trans issues which again this is this issue y'all it, co- it all comes back to the issue of what is hate speech and what is hateful and derogatory is stating facts derogatory Some people say yes. Even though you have conservative commentators such as Matt Walsh, many of the people on the show staunchly believe that you're born what you are and you cannot alter that. And their religious belief in this case is clearly being discriminated against. Unfortunately, in the United States, religion is not what it used to be. And that seems to be the only part that you're allowed and even encouraged to discriminate against. So from a religious perspective, I wholeheartedly think you should not be able to discriminate people against that way. Now. Jeremy went on to say that in the past couple of months, specifically post-Candace Owens, as well as Michael Knowles, have had 200 violations. That's astonishing. Now, it seems more concerning because it reminds me more and more of the book 1984 by George Orwell, which, if public schools are worth a damn, they'd actually have people read. They aren't. So, if you're a parent, can't recommend that book enough. I'd probably say wait till they're maybe teen, early teenagers years? It's not a happy book. It certainly doesn't even have a happy ending. However, it is exceedingly realistic and accurate on how how it depicts the world. Now, this is an instance where they're just not banning and going after current content that they're creating. They're retroactively going back and censoring and getting rid of those content. Tim Pool has had the same issue where he was recently looking at his YouTube library of all the past things that he published some of the videos just mysteriously were not there. So they didn't give him a strike or they didn't penalize him, but they just removed it without telling him. Again, 1984, you have to rewrite history and erase things that you do not agree with. Now, the penalties went on to specify Matt Walsh getting his channel demonetized, which in terms of character, I can't help but respect Matt Walsh because he noted that he was making about $100,000 a month off the ad revenue the advertising revenue from his youtube channel and his religious belief is one that he will not change his perspective he will not change his belief about people being able, being able to uh, transition and he would rather stick to his convictions than receive a hundred thousand a month how many people still have that tenacity and still have that backbone maybe single digits it's it's somewhat heartwarming. Heartwarming, and it's nice to see someone actually stand for what they believe in, as opposed to just bending the knee. As more and more people just do whatever it takes to make a quick buck, they don't actually stand up for their what they believe in. They don't have any, actually have any convictions. They just sell out and they acquiesce and just will do whatever they're told. They'll just completely throw away their value systems. So for that alone, I to, can't help but respect Matt Walsh for sticking to his guns. And again, he has about six kids now, plus a wife. So it's not as if he has nothing to lose. But he decided he's going to stick to his conviction. So his channel is completely demonetized now. He can still have his content there, depending on what he posts. They'll probably remove it. But all the ads you see, if there are still ads, I think 100% of that money goes to YouTube. I'm still learning about that. This channel isn't monetized yet. Thankfully, thanks to all the people tuning in, we're getting closer and closer every day, and I greatly appreciate it. So I'm learning a little bit more about that from that perspective. But... He's basically right now using it as a marketing vessel. So you see him on the YouTube because they do have the largest audience on the planet. And subsequently they're hoping that you actually go to dailywire.com and click and subscribe and pay for the subscription so that they can actually pay for their employees and their editors and all, all of that good stuff. And they can grow the company have a big impact on the culture wars. But right now, that's become a lot, almost like a, a loss leader. They're, they're not making money on the YouTube, but still it costs a lot of money to produce it. And they put it there. And they're going to start putting on twitter which is only just now starting to have programs where you can actually monetize twitter in terms of putting content on there and that's very limited fiscally i think elon's put about five million dollars in that initiative i digress i'll get back to the point now michael knowles and Owens, owen were recently suspended for seven days and as well as receiving a second strike with jordan peterson apparently getting a first strike now as simple as it sounds similar to the american sport of boss baseball i i've tuned in couple times but if you have three strikes you're out and by you're out you're nuked your channel is just erased from history further emphasizing the importance of 1984 and the dystopian future that we live in or present rather it's quite concerning where most all Americans used to believe I may not believe in what you're saying but I'll fight to the death for your right to say it unfortunately now most people are saying if you offend me you shouldn't exist which is quite concerning so they've gotten two strikes. And again, these personalities and these reporters, whatever you want to call them, their whole life is media creation and distribution. And importantly, YouTube, 25% of the US population gets their news off YouTube. That's huge. And that number is only gonna exponentially increase as more and more people cut the cord in terms of you know, good old fashioned cable news network. You guys have Fox News brilliantly shooting themselves in the foot multiple times, firing their top personality, Tucker Carlson, who subsequently got over 100 million views on the first video he put on YouTube showing his first show. Yeah, Fox News is in trouble, to say the least. But you're seeing more and more people go to the internet and go to these platforms for their news. If you have the largest singular platform censoring whole groups of people and whole areas of thought well that removes all possibility of actually having a debate of ideals and you're not gonna have the best ideals come to the surface if you're not allowing those ideals to exist or you're just more accurately suppressing them annexing them and completely admonishing them from our society now in terms of how much of an impact this has on youtube the daily wire is huge now in last week so this is one week the Daily Wire and all of their associates. So all the main personalities you got Matt Walsh, Schwalt, Matt Walsh, Candace Owens, Ben Shapiro, Michael Knowles. I'm sorry Michael, you're 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 still in the top 4. I I didn't forget about you. But all their associates combined 157 million views on YouTube. That's huge numbers. YouTube is profiting off of them and people are going to YouTube just for them. And yet they're completely treating them like a malicious tumor that needs to be subsequently removed. Now, YouTube is also having an issue because they're losing ad revenue year after year after year. The amount of ads that businesses are paying to put on the platform is decreasing. I believe it's an average of about 2.8% last time we reported on it a couple weeks back. If anything, YouTube should be incentivizing more philosophical, more, more different perspectives to come onto the platform to give the consumer more options, and also fuels more interest as well. There's nothing more boring than turning on the same mainstream media because you're gonna see the same issue reported the same exact way. The reason I like and enjoy and seek different alternative opinions is because it makes life a lot more interesting. You also learn a lot more about the topics and the subjects being covered. It's inherently more interesting, which is why I always tell people, if you're watching something on the far left or the far right or the left or the right, Check out both perspectives. It's fascinating in and of itself just to see how they'll cover the same issue from two different perspectives and you'll learn new things every time. And I would also argue in ways it also makes you a more rounded person because you're gaining perspective. It makes life a lot more fun, a lot more entertaining. Lord, truth be told, some of my most favorite debates and just chats are with people who are more on the left side of the aisle and just learning about what are their thoughts on the same issues, or their arguments, or their ideals, and seeing where more often than not, there are still some overlap that, unfortunately, mainstream media wants to think it's all one side versus the other, it's a binary choice. But in many ways, I think Americans agree on more things that they think, and hopefully someday they'll figure that out. But for YouTube, again, it's a suffering platform. They're losing ad revenue. To start poking and bullying one of your top producers, that's gotta be the business blunder of the day. And a lot of these personalities, they're on the precipice of being completely demonetized. Now, not only Matt demonetized, but they're about to lose those personalities forever. Because again, if it's three strikes, you're out. And guess where they're going? Twitter, Rumble, all the alternatives. The Daily Wire Plus has their own channel that they have. If you go to their website, log in, they have their own videos hosted there as well. So all their alternatives are growing exponentially. And YouTube is hurting, and yet they're still going to do this. Is it because of ESG scores? Is it because someone with a lot of money is willing to lose more money? Is it ideolo- I can't help but think it's ideological because from a per- purely business fiscal perspective, it makes no sense to completely ostracize one side of the debate. Some people say that advertisers are pushing it because they want less controversy. But again, you're gonna get the most volume of users and prospective clients, I think, if you allow more discord, more conversation, more perspectives, more content in general, if anything, YouTube, YouTube should be paying or incentivizing The Daily Wire to be exclusive content where people could only get that that channel content on that one platform. But they're not. They're just pushing away one of their top producers, and I can't help but think that's got to be the business blunder of the day, if not perhaps the week. Time shall tell. But I want to take, take the moment to thank everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Cannot thank you enough for liking, subscribing, and commenting. Each one of those things greatly helped the channel out. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, Heck, tell your enemies. Tell anyone and everyone. Just stay safe and fight the good fight.